First Corinthians, what chapter are we at? First Corinthians 15, what ver- anybody know what verse we left off? 35. You guys are on it, yes. First service was dialed in too, they're like, 35, we're rolling through. So we're going to finish the chapter this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35, and I think it's important just to be reminded of the context of this letter. Remember, the Apostle Paul is dealing with a number of different problems that were going on with the church at Corinth, and Paul is talking about, in chapter 15, the subject of the resurrection. And so, in verse 12, if you look at verse 12 with me real quick, we see what the issue was that was happening at Corinth. Check it out, it'll be verse 12. Paul said, Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And so you see what the issue was in the church. They weren't doubting Jesus' resurrection, this, this group or this segment of the church. But they were, they were denying the resurrection of believers. Um, so this is a big issue, isn't it? This is a big issue. It's a big issue. Paul take, elaborates on this issue through the entire chapter, the longest chapter uh, in, this, uh, in this letter, if you will. And here's the problem. The people in the church were being influenced by those who don't believe in the truth of God's word. And listen, this is a very much a big concern of mine as well for our church also. And I shared this last week. I get with some of you, I get to share with you from God's word every week. You're here. Sometimes, sometimes you double up. You come Wednesday nights. Sometimes you triple up. Come Sunday nights also. And praise the Lord. Some of you guys are digging deep into the word of God. There is no shortcut to have a spiritual walk with the Lord. A deep, intimate, real relationship with God. It's not going to happen by reading, a, you know, getting your personal pep talk and your, your Devo in, the, in your inbox. It is by spending time in God's Word, reading your Bible and praying. And the problem is, I know there's some of us that don't do that and that you are being influenced. There's lots of voices out there that are vying for your attention, vying for your affection, lots of voices that would take you away, especially now in the times that we live in, Correct? Paul said, as the, the closer we, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, as we get nearer and closer to, to the end, there would be people who will, in the church who will no longer endure sound doctrine. They will no longer endure the teaching of God, the simple teaching of the scriptures. And what will they do? They will go and find, they will heap up teachers to themselves Men that will tickle their ears, tickle their funny bone, tell a bunch of stories, sprinkle a little Bible dust in there too to make it sound good. You know what I'm talking about? It's happening and it's going to happen. It's going to continue to ramp up the closer we get to the Lord's return. The sad part for me as a pastor, someone that loves you guys, loves God's precious blood-bought people, is that there's going to be some that are going to get ripped off. And I pray that none here get ripped off. But I, I know that we run the risk because the Bible is not the most important influence in some of your guys' lives. It's what the world has to say or what so-and-so has to say. And it's not what Jesus has to say. And you're building your house in the sand and I'm concerned, I'm concerned for some of you, because storms will hit, storms are going to hit your life, and there will be people that tell you what you want to hear, and you're going to want to hear from people like that rather than what you need to hear. We need the Word of God, don't we? It is a mirror. It shows us our condition, shows us where we fall short. It nourishes us. It strengthens us. God said in Jeremiah, his words like a hammer, it breaks the rock in pieces, the hardness of our hearts. His words like a fire, it warms our hearts, burns away the chaff, the stuff that doesn't belong. But here's, there's an entire segment of the church at Corinth. Here's a church that was planted and pastored by the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine having him as a pastor? I mean, he's just, you know, just dealing. And then all of a sudden, you got this segment that now they're believing in no resurrection, And the problem is they allowed certain people into their lives to influence them. That would influence them and teach them things that were false. 
And so can I encourage you this morning to test everything you hear with the word of God? Test all things. Hold fast that which is good. Be like the Bereans who tested everything Paul said. You be a Berean and you hold on to the things that God says in his word. Are you with me this morning? That's enough of my rant. You ready to get into the words? And the, the point that Paul's making in this chapter is our, listen, our future resurrection is just as sure as Jesus' resurrection. Amen. Glorious. Well, check it out. Verse 35, but someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? And so Paul anticipates the scoffer or the mocker here with dismissive questions, right? And don't we run into mockers sometimes? Oh, really? If there's a resurrection, what kind of body do they, how are they going to get raised up? Come on. How do we know? How do we know that? Am I just kind of like reading into the text? Look at the next verse. Fool. (laughs) Foolish one. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But, and this is important, but God gives it a body as he pleases. And to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. And then check this out. Here's the point. Verse 42. So also or likewise is the resurrection of the dead. And so there were some that were mocking the resurrection. And they were saying, well, wait a minute here. How can there be a physical resurrection? That's ridiculous. The body gets totaled. The body gets totaled. Some people get burned. Some people get beheaded. And wait a minute, their body decomposes, it becomes dust. The dust becomes part of the soil, becomes part of the nutrients. For some trees, they grow out of those nutrients, like an apple tree. Are you telling me now that an apple came, I ate an apple, I'm eating a piece of someone? That's what they're saying. That's the logic. They're saying it's illogical. And Paul uses an illustration from, number one, from nature to point out resurrection is all around us. If you're looking for it, if you have eyes to see, because when he says foolish one or fool in your Bible, it literally means you're unperceptive, you're dense, you're short sighted. In other words, you can't see the big picture. You're not seeing clearly what you sow. What does it mean to sow? To plant what you plant, what the seed you plant does not come to life unless what? Look at verse 36. Unless it experiences, unless it experiences what? Death, right? When you plant a seed, you don't plant the future body of that crop, correct? You plant this funky little seed in the ground, simply a kernel, or he says there, of wheat or some other grain. And it's the Lord, verse 38, it's the Lord who gives that seed a body. Notice what it says, as he pleases. As the Lord pleases, makes him happy. To each seed. There's lots of different seeds out there. And each one, look at the end of verse 38, each one has its own body. So it's almost like Paul saying, you want to think logically? Okay. How about wheat? What, what do you do with wheat when you sow wheat? You sow that seed into the ground. And what happens to the kernel once it gets under the dirt and gets moisture? What begins to happen? It dies, doesn't it? It decomposes. And then what happens? The DNA in the seed germinates, and out of that comes what? It produces the body, the, bo- the stalk of that wheat, correct? But it wasn't the stalk that was planted. It was this ugly-looking seed, right, that goes into the ground. You guys ever, uh, anybody ever plant tulips or seen tulips planted? You ever seen the bulb? It's pretty gnarly-looking, isn't it? You don't plant that beautiful tulip, do you? You put the bulb underneath the soil, and then comes the beautiful tulips afterwards. And so the, the physical seed, uh, Paul's talking about, it 
It looks pathetically unlike the glorious stalk. Correct? It doesn't look like the stalk or the fruit that is produced. And so God will make a glorious body as it pleases him. That's the point here. God does it. How? Paul's going to answer those two questions. How are the dead raised up? Well, God does it. It's not hard for God. He's the one that can do it. And, and think about this with me. Remember the Sadducees? You get, nobody remembers? Okay, little lesson here. The Sadducees were religious leaders during whose time? Jesus' Jesus's day. And they did not believe in the resurrection. resurrection. How do we remember? It's sad, you see. They don't believe, are you with me? They don't believe in the resurrection. But think, what did it produce in their lives? Rejecting the resurrection. You guys know it produced loose living, immoral lives. In fact, Jesus called them out on it, didn't he? He said, you know neither the word of God nor the power of God. Whoa. Because of your denial of the resurrection. We want to know the word of God and the power of God, don't we? And when we die to ourselves, we certainly experience his resurrection power. And then one day when we take our last breath here, we will experience that new resurrection body that's fitted for all eternity. Anybody excited for that? All right, me too. Well, look at verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh. right? All physical bodies are not the same. All these bodies are different. Men, animals, fish. As humans, we don't have tails, scales, gills, or wings. All of us are designed how? Aren't we designed uniquely? Right? Uniquely for the environment where God has us. That's one of the points here. God has made, it pleased him to make different bodies for different environments. Hold on to that point because he goes on to talk about, look at verse 40. There's a difference between celestial or heavenly bodies, the things we see in the, the atmosphere, Um, There's a difference between those and what are terrestrial bodies. Those are earthly, physical bodies. Um, The celestial, the heavenly body is unique. It has its own own special quality, its own glory. The terrestrial body has its own uh, unique and special quality as well. And then in verse 41, he goes on to talk about the sun and the moon and the stars. The sun has its own unique, beautiful body too, correct? And then the glory of the moon. The moon has its own unique, beautiful body. The stars, look what he says about the stars in verse 41. Each star differs from another in beauty. So God has made celestial bodies for different purposes, and each one is fitted for its unique environment. And so God created it all as it pleased him. It makes him happy to do it this way. Isn't that great? And he can just as easily, guess what? He can create a resurrection body. That's the point he's making. It's God who makes it. You want to know how? How the dead are raised up? It's God who does it. In fact, in verse 42, look what he says. So also is the resurrection of the dead. And so similarly, listen, our physical bodies were not made for heaven. How do we know that? Look at look what it says. If I cheated. I read ahead. Look at verse 50. Look what it says in verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit what? The kingdom of God. Our bodies have to die. Our bodies have been made for the earth. That's the point that Paul's making. God has a body for us here, and he has a body fitted for us for heaven also. And so, God has to fashion for you and I a brand new body. If flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, he has to fashion a body for us for the environment that he has for us. Is he going to do that? Yes. Just as sure as Jesus' resurrection, our resurrection is just as sure. If you're taking notes, Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to flip over there. It's to the right, a couple books. Philippians 3, please listen to this. We're told, for our citizenship is in heaven. Wow, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Our citizenship is where it's in heaven. 
from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is coming. That's who we're waiting. Aren't we waiting to see him? What's he going to do? Next verse. He will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. There's going to be a transformation, a change that's going to happen. If you're taking notes, I'm going to read it first. John 3, also, John writes, Beloved, you beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know. Do you know this this morning, child of God? But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Isn't that amazing? It says we're going to be like Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Well, all we have to do is take a study or do a little study in the Gospels and the book of Acts and take a look at the body that Jesus had after he rose from the dead. What was it like? It was a physical body, correct? Physical body. He was recognizable also. Guess what? Our bodies will be physical. They will. Remember what, what Jesus said to Thomas? He said, what? Touch me. I'm, I'm not a ghost. I'm real. We're not going to be ghosts flying around all over. We're not going to be chubby cherubs like, you know, plucking the harp. Although they're super cute. I mean, think about, I mean, think about what Jesus did. He could all of a sudden appear and disappear, go through walls. He ate. Aren't you glad we can still eat? Not gain a pound. Hallelujah. Jesus had a sweet tooth. He had a honeycomb, right? Fish and a honeycomb. That's just, I mean, that's what it says. That's the unaffected by gravity. I think also not bound by the time space continuum. It, well, we're going to talk about in just a minute in the next few verses of our glorious new bodies that the Lord has for us. Some of you are saying, wait a minute, look at my body now, buster. <laughs> Six pack, big old hammers, made in the USA traps, right? <laughs> what do I need a new body for? Just give it some time. <laughs> From dust you came, dust you shall return, right? Where gravity is... Pulling us back down. <laughs> right? Are you with me? Okay. If not, you guys will get it later. Because well, look what it says. Uh, we don't have to make this stuff up. Look what the Bible says, verse 42. That's the bad news, but the good news is, is combined here. Look at verse 42 as we keep going. He goes on to say, The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so notice what it says to me. Let me draw your attention back to verse 42, that second sentence. It says, our bodies are sown in corruption. Literally, we are planted in deterioration and decay is what it means. Destruction from within, heading towards decomposition. So you know what that means? The, the minute we are born, we come out of the womb, we are headed to the tomb. We're headed towards death. Our bodies are wearing out. But what's the good news? Look at the second part of that sentence. But raised in what? In incorruption. Lifted up. Raised. Unable to experience deterioration or decay. God will give us a beautiful resurrection body that will last forever. And guess what? Nothing can hurt it. Nothing can damage it. You'll never age. You're never going to need the skin creams, the peels, juicers. You'll never experience death. We're going to read in just a minute, death is swallowed up in victory. Gone. Look what else it says, verse 43. Planted literally without value or worth. Are you telling me I'm not worth anything, Pastor? No, you're of eternal worth. How do I know that? Because Jesus paid the price for you with his precious life. How much more value are you 
than birds. You're of eternal value. But he's talking about these, these carcasses we've been blessed with. They are of literally without value or worth. Well, how much does a cup of dirt cost? Anybody know how much a cup of dirt costs? A cup of dust? Not much, right? That, listen, our bodies are composed of the same materials. Again, from dust we came, dust you shall return. And he's going to say here in just a minute, you're a bunch of dirt bags. I, it's what the text said. We're going to get there in just a moment. And so our bodies are like a brand new car. The minute you drive it off the lot, guess what happens? It depreciates in value. You're, you're, listen, bad news, you're reaching your expiration date. What's the good news? Look at the good news. There's good, is there good news, Pastor? There's more? Yeah, there is. Check it out. Raised up in what? In, what's it say? Glory. Literally celebrate, honor, magnificence. Uh, listen, our bodies right now, they can do some cool stuff, can't they? Can they do some cool stuff? I think about, you guys remember Michael Jordan? When he would dunk a basketball, he'd jump from like the free throw line. Baseball, he wasn't so good, but basketball. <laughs> or like, I like listen to some of the folks up here playing the instruments. It's like amazing what our bodies can do. Some of you guys are teachers and you've got scientists and, and other people in the church. It's like, man, look what your brain can do. Look at your bodies. They're amazing. Our current bodies do some cool stuff, but guess what? Nothing compared to the bodies that he's got for us. It, listen, it will cause us to celebrate. We will be raised in glory. We're going to be going, yeah, is that you over there? You've got hair. <laughs> wow, you're looking good. Listen, we should celebrate even now. Because it's a done deal. Our future is secure. All of his promises are yes and amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, look at also it says in that verse, in verse 43, sown in weakness, in frailty, feebleness, subject to sickness and decay. We see the effects of age, don't we? Some of us more so than others. Wouldn't, it be life, wouldn't life be great without sickness? Without disease? That day is coming. Raised in power. That word power means dynamic, productive. Things are happening. One day your body will be so super powerful, you will never know weakness again. So in a natural body, a physical body, raised a spiritual body. And Paul says there's a difference between the two types of bodies. That word natural in the Greek, it means soulish, pertaining to our soul. And, 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 and I believe we are certainly a triune being. We're like a little mini trinity in the sense that we have a, a, a body, a soul, and a spirit, if you will. The soul is what? The soul pertains to the part of us, that immaterial part of us, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And then the spiritual, he used that word spiritual here, is the word pneuma. It refers to the spirit. That is the part of us that connects with God. Right? When we are born spiritually dead, correct? Are we born spiritually dead? Yes. Ephesians 2. We were dead in our trespasses and sins spiritually. That's why the Bible didn't make sense to you before. You need to be born again spiritually so that you can see that you have spiritual eyes to see. You become alive spiritually when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Are you with me still? And so Paul is saying here there's a physical body, a spiritual body, and there's also the soulish part of us. And so it's the Lord who breathes that life into us when we are born again. Our new, listen, our new bodies will function the way that they are supposed to. There will be no more downward pull of sin in our lives. We'll be set free from the presence of sin altogether. Our new body will be consistent with our new nature. It's going to be glorious. No more conflict with the new man and the old man. You guys have any, have any conflicts within? By the way, that's an evidence you're born again. Because before, we had no conflicts. We just do whatever we wanted. Lie, steal, cheat, do whatever. But then you get born again, there's a conflict within us. And that old man needs to be put to death, to be crucified daily, in order to experience the resurrection life of Jesus Christ within us. And so, look what Paul says 
He talks about us being further clothed with this spiritual body. He's going to explain it right here. Look at verse 45. And so it is written, he goes back to Genesis 2. He says, and so it is written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam, who's the last Adam? Jesus became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, who was that? Adam. So also are those who are made of dust. Who is that? Us, right? Dirtbags, there it is. I just told, I told you we would find it. And is the heavenly man, and as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, this is so awesome, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. So Paul contrasts Adam and Jesus. And so, remember that question that was asked, the, the mocker, and with what body do they come? Well, Paul explains it to us here. The first Adam, God breathed into Adam, Genesis 2, 7, he became a living being. And Jesus rose from the dead, never to die again, and he is able to lift us up and give us life as well. Again, just as sure as his resurrection is, so is ours. He is, listen, he is the giver of life. He's promised us life, guys. Life eternal, listen for just a minute, life eternal is not just a quantity of life, it's a quality of life. Didn't Jesus say something about giving us abundant life? A life more abundant? Did he say something like that? John 10? Correct? Are you with me? A life of fruitfulness, a life that matters, a life of purpose, a life of direction, a path to go, a direction to head with our lives. Jesus said to the religious people of his day, he said, you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. Listen, there's no life apart from Jesus Christ. You need to come. It's always coming to him. If, you're, if there's no life in your marriage or in your home, you need to come to Jesus. He's the giver of life. He'll breathe some life into your ministry, into, your, into what you're doing. When you come to him, you look to his resources, to his strength, to his wisdom, to his sufficiency. He is the giver of life, gang. We come to him to have life. Are you with me? That's kind of part of the room. That's okay. <laughs> and he says in verse 46, the spiritual body doesn't come first. The natural one does, and then the spiritual body. So there's an order. Adam was from, of the earth, of dust, made of dirt. And then the second man, capital M, is the Lord from heaven. So the first Adam connects us to what? To the earth, but Jesus connects us to where? To heaven, not hard. And so just like Adam is made of dirt, so are we, verse 48. Just like Jesus' resurrection body, those who are born from above will have a body just like his. And I love that in verse 49. What we've been wearing, literally, we, as we have borne the image of the man of dust, what we've been carry, wearing and carrying around as our constant companion, this body, this carcass of dust, we will also bear, one day we will be wearing as constant clothing, accompaniment, a body like Jesus. Listen, we will bear the image of the Son of God forever. Is that good news this morning? Hey, so check this out. Romans 8. You guys know Romans 8.28? Anybody know that verse? Yes. It's a favor for some of us, isn't it? Yes. Who knows what it says? Yeah, that sounded right. <laughs> if you go back one book to the left, Romans 8.28. You got it, Maria. That was good. But we, all, we often don't quote the next verse. And we know that all things work together for good. How many things? All. The good, the bad, the ugly? Is that all? 
or is it say 90% of things? All things work together for good to who? To those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. That's good news, isn't it, this morning? I know some, I know some of you, listen, I know some of you, though, you're going through difficulties. You're going through hardship this morning. And maybe you're saying, that's the last thing I wanted to hear was this pastor, this dude, sharing this verse. But listen, this is a promise. This is a promise from the Lord to you. But not just that. Listen to the next verse, Romans 8, 29. It says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that, we, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You know what that means? That means the Lord is molding and shaping you to be more like Jesus. Is that good news this morning? You guys ever ask, what is God doing in my life? Anybody ask that question? Lord, what are you doing in my life? Things don't look good. Lord, you're coming. I'm not going to be able to get married. I'm not going to be able to have a family. My job. I'm stuck at home. This COVID thing. Things don't look good. This disease is flying around. I don't feel good. I got a little sore throat. I think I got it. (laughs) It's the worst possible timing. You guys ever have challenging things in your life? Challenging people? Do you know this morning that God's doing the work? Do you know that? We just read it, didn't we? He's working it together for what? For good. You know that his hands are on you? Do you know that this morning his hands are on you? He is the potter. The world? The potter does. You know he's controlling the speed right now? See that? That's a... Is that how it goes, right? Bobbing his head? No, I don't know if he does it. He controls the speed of the wheel, and what does he do? He presses on us. You ever feel a little pressing, a little pressure? Right? A little pulling, a little pulling. You guys feel a little pulling, too? You ever feel that? No? A little pulling? No. A little pulling stuff out that doesn't belong? Do you know it's his nail-scarred hands that are working on you? Do you know that he knows what he's aiming at with your life? You're being conformed to the image of the Son. What could be better than that? Well, I want to be conformed to the image of this world. No, you don't. Look what the world produces. You want to see what the wisdom of the world produces? Look around us. We see it all around us, sadly in the church, too. Because as Jesus said, the love of many will grow cold the closer we get to his kingdom coming. Sadly. But you're on that wheel and he's molding and he's shaping you. You you will bear the image of the Son of God forever. There is nothing greater than that. That's amazing. And guess what? You will never regret that either. You will never regret it. As you look back, when we get into heaven, we're we're not going to be complaining and belly aching about the stuff we went through. We're going to be praising the Lord. Thank you that all your ways are righteous and true, Lord. Everything you've done, it's not, well, what happened to me back there, man? Doing that COVID thing. Or there, I could, you know, whatever. We're not going to, there's going to be none of that. But we can start saying that right now, Lord, thank you. All your ways are righteous and true. Everything you do is right on. It's not phony, it's not fake, it's a genuine work of your spirit in my life, and I'm okay, I'm down. I will rest on the wheel instead of trying to jump off or get all hard. Doesn't clay get hard? You guys ever work with clay? If not, come over to my house. Alana loves that stuff. Gets hard, though. Don't keep it soft. Maybe, maybe this morning you're hard. 
It's coming to Jesus where we find life. It's coming to Jesus where we find that softening that he wants to do in our hearts. Well, I've gotten way off track. Where are we at? Verse 50. Let's finish it up. we got time. We sure do. One hour and a half left. Is that what Sweet. Verse 50. Here, this is cause to celebrate. If that's not cause to celebrate, there's more. But wait, there's more. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of of God's, like, I'm telling you straight up, my brothers and sisters, our physical bodies cannot partake, cannot receive, cannot obtain heaven, the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. And so he goes on to say, behold, what does behold mean? Check it out. Check it out. I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So, when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. So, corruption. What is deteriorating? That's us right now. Cannot inherit, cannot receive that which is unable to deteriorate. There must be, listen, There must be a transformation. There must be an upgrade, if you will. Our bodies need transformation if we're going to live in heaven. There needs to be a transformation. These bodies are not intended to inherit what God has for us and to enjoy what he has for us in heaven. And guess what? It pleases him to do it this way. Makes him happy. And then he says, behold, check it out. I want to share something special with you. And I believe, my view is, he's talking about the rapture of the church here. If you're taking notes, 1 Thessalonians 4, we're going to get there unless the Lord comes, which he is going to come. Hopefully today, he's going to come like a thief in the night, be ready. I believe that's what he's talking about here. But he says it's a mystery. So when you read mystery in the Bible, does that mean like a whodunit, like Nancy Drew type? Is that what it's talking about here? Is that what it's talking about, you guys? No. When we see mystery, that word in the Bible, it's something that was hidden or concealed, but then it's revealed to those who are initiated. Can I give you an example to help us out this morning? I was in a fraternity in college. I'm not, I am not endorsing fraternities in college, by the way. But you go through this whole process to get initiated. Right? You go through all, all these things, all this gnarly stuff, and then you finally get to the day you're initiated into the fraternity. And they take you into, they took us into a secret room, and then that's when they reveal the secrets to you. Guess what? I'm going to tell you guys what the secrets were. Can I tell you? You guys want to know? Can I share with you? I'm not going to get in trouble. I don't care. <laughs> here, here's, here's what, here, here was two of them. Ready? Circles are round. So profound. Ready? Here's number two. Wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> wow, man, so deep. But I wouldn't have known those unless I was initiated into the fraternity. Aren't those lame, though, by the way? That's, I know it's a lame illustration, but when we get initiated into God's family, now these things become what? They become real to us. We understand it's no longer a mystery. Those in the Old Testament, listen, the rapture was largely unknown to those in the Old Testament, but those of us under the New Covenant, we get it. We can look back and we can see. We see God's plan. We have the book of Revelation to kind of fill some of the gaps also. And so my view is that he's speaking of the rapture of the church. How's it going to happen? In a moment. We get the word Adam from this word in the Greek. The smallest, uh, in a split second, in the twinkling of an eye, boom, suddenly, the final blast of the horn, the trumpet will sound. Some people try to connect this with Revelation, the, 
the, the trumpet there, the trumpet judgment that's trumpet judgments that are happening. It doesn't fit. I, I don't have time to go into that. You can have your own distorted opinion on that or call me later. I'll talk to you about it. But it says the dead will rise, unable to deteriorate. We will be transformed. So the generation of believers, when the Lord returns, when he comes, will not experience physical death, but they will be transformed. First Thessalonians tells us we will be caught up in the air in this moment, in this twinkling of an eye. Bodies will be changed. And what, what's going to happen? He's going to take us to the Father's house. How awesome is that with our new bodies fitted for heaven? That's glorious. These bodies are temporary. It's the whole point Paul's making. And a permanent new one is coming, whether at the rapture or at death. When you take your last breath, you get, that, you get clothed, further clothed with that new body. This, this deteriorating body, look what it says, will put on in, in corruption, a body that will never deteriorate. This mortal, this body that's subject to death, will put on, must put on an everlasting, undying body. When this happens, it's a fulfillment of Isaiah 25. Death is swallowed up in victory. Jesus conquered death, didn't he? And so will all those who belong to him. Jesus said, do not be afraid. Are you afraid this morning? Perfect love casts out all fear. The author of Hebrews tells us that we've been set free from the fear of death because of what Jesus did. Jesus said to John on the island of Patmos, do not fear. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the author and the finisher of your faith, brother or sister. He's, he was there at the start and is going to be there with you at the finish line. And in between, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's upholding all things by the word of his power in your life. Underneath you are his everlasting arms. And you're in his hands. He's molding and shaping you. What could be better than, a life, than the Christian life? Nothing. Nothing out there. Now, listen, I've shared with people that have walked away from the Lord, that are back in the world. I said, if you go out there and you can find something better than Jesus, I'll come join you. You would, Pastor? You would? Guess what? There's nothing out there better than Jesus. I never would. He has set me free. He has given me life. He's given me everything. Second chance, a fresh start. There's nothing out there worth living for but Jesus Christ. That's why we need to make our lives count. We're going to get to that in just a minute. We're almost done. Jesus said, I am he who lives and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Jesus has authority over death and Hades, the grave. So we possess a victory over death, gang, that will become a reality at, the, at our death or at rapture. I can't wait. Verse 55, O death, where is your sting? Paul quotes from Hosea 13. O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? It's Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality through the gospel. We receive the gospel, right? The, strength, the sting of death is sin. The wages of sin is death. The law shows us that we don't measure up, that we all fall short. We are all in need of a Savior. The law shows us and proves that we deserve eternal justice, but Jesus paid the penalty in his life's blood for you and for me. He removed the stinger from death, if you will, with his death, burial, and resurrection. He paid the price. And listen, because of our faith, Jesus has put death, has put death in the grave out of reach. That's what he's saying. Where's your, he's taunting. He's taunting death in the grave here. Thanks. And it should compel us to thank him, by the way. That's what Paul's saying here. But thanks be to God. Right? It should compel us to say, Lord, thank you. It's received. It's given to us, this victory. It's not something you earn or work for. And it's through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have not been conquered. Nor will we be conquered. We will live forever with God in heaven because we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. 
and the hope of everlasting life. Look at the last verse as we finish this morning. What's the application? What's the application this morning? I mean, aren't you stoked being reminded about what, what the future holds? Anybody excited about the future? This is our future. You don't need to go see someone and ask someone, Google it. What's in my future? You want to know? It's right here. New bod. Old bod from the sod, new bod from God. That's an easy way to remember it, isn't it? Old bod from the sod, new bod from God. Really easy. Therefore, in light of that, anytime you see the word therefore, you stop and ask yourself, what is the word therefore? Therefore, in light of all that we've read, all that we've learned, my beloved brethren, I like that. They, many of them hated Paul, but what does he say? I love you. And I want to encourage you. Number one, be steadfast. Immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Steadfast, what does that mean? Stable, secure, firm, securely positioned, settled, immovable, you can't be moved. Because it wrapped out. Anybody ever have doubts? You know you're in good company. The greatest prophet that ever lived had a bout of doubt. You guys remember who it was? Who was it? Was he actually a Baptist? John the Baptist. Remember what happened? We're going we're to talk about it tonight, 5 o'clock service. He got thrown in prison by Herod. Do you guys remember that? He was abounding in the work of the Lord, wasn't he? Correct? Doing what God called him to do. Being faithful to share the truth in love. He called out. Herod was involved in sexual immorality. And he called him out on it, sharing the truth in love. What you're doing is wrong, dude. You need to repent. He was faithful. Got thrown in prison. And he's sitting in prison. There he is. And he's hearing about Jesus. And what's Jesus doing? He's opening the eyes of the blind, right? Lepers being cleansed. Dead are being raised. Captives being set free. And there he is in prison, chained and wondering, why in the world? I'm in prison. How come this prisoner ain't getting set free? Oh, it happens to us sometimes. We wonder, why am I in this circumstance? Why am I going through this? I've been doing the right thing for the Lord. And here I am. I'm in this dungeon. In this place that's gnarly. Remember what John did? He sent his disciples to Jesus. Saying, are you the one? Or should we look for another? John the Baptist, he's the one that pointed at Jesus and said what? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He went on record. I testified he is the Son of God. Now, now we're saying, are you the one? Or should we look for another? I would say that's some doubt, wouldn't you? Here's the thing with doubt. Please listen. Don't miss this. Because we will all experience it at some point. It's what you do with the doubt. Okay, are you with me? Either it will lead you to an evil heart of unbelief, or it will lead you to seek the truth, and the truth will set you free. John did the right thing. Correct? He sought Jesus. But be prepared. When you seek the Lord, sometimes it's a heavy word. Because remember what he said? Blessed is he who is not offended in me. John, you've been tripped up. You want to be blessed? Don't be tripped up. 
You keep on keeping on abounding in the work of the Lord. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you abounding in the work, literally work to the point of exhaustion for the Lord or in the Lord? I'm challenged by that. Knowing that what? What does he say? Knowing that your labor, that word labor, work to the point of exhaustion, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not in vain. It's not, it's not going to be not worth it. The Lord sees, listen, the Lord sees, he knows, and he will give you what you need to serve him. He'll give you everything you need to be successful in what he's called you to do. Our part is to do to do it, is to stop having a heartbeat of a three-toed sloth spiritually, get off the bench and get into the game. So the Lord can use your life the amount of time you've got left. He tells us to store up our treasures in heaven, doesn't he? And it should, what the Lord has accomplished, this is it, right here, finish. The Lord, what he's accomplished should compel us to thank him and to serve him with all we got. To be abounding, are you with me? To be abounding in the work of the Lord. Amen? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much this morning for our time. God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to... Lord, to appropriate these things, to meditate upon these things, upon your word. Again, so many voices, Lord, vying for our hearts, our minds. And you tell us, Lord Jesus, that your sheep hear your voice. They follow you. So, Lord, I pray you would just minister to our hearts now. The amazing things you've taught us this morning, that we would walk Lord, in these things you've communicated, that we would abound in your work. Seeing your kingdom come, your will be done, that your name would be hallowed. So thank you. Thank you for the second chances, your new mercies each and every day, for the empowering of your Holy Spirit. And this morning, as we are still in an attitude of prayer, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, as we finish our Bible study now, perhaps you've been listening and you realize you've never come to know Jesus Christ personally. And you know the Lord is reaching out to you right now. It is the most important decision that you will ever make is concerning your eternity. only two destinies either heaven or hell and Jesus is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance this morning you recognize your need for the Savior he loves you he demonstrated his love by